0: All right, friends, welcome to another episode of Mama to Mama's podcast. Today on the pod, I'm so excited to have one of my favorite, recent, along with me, first time Mama's Savannah Dwyer on the podcast. Welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So I'll give you guys a little bit of context of how Savannah and I know each other, and then we're going to dive into some juicy things because Savannah is three months ahead of me with her new mom life. I think her baby is three months older than Maddox. So we are going to get into all the fun new mom things. So I'll never forget the first time I met Savannah. We were on the ferry from Alameda to San Francisco. Uh, We were commuting to work and it was my first day on the job and I was so nervous. And somehow Savannah and I started talking and she just calmed me immediately. She was so kind and so easy to talk to. And our friendship really just grew through working at the same company, commuting on that ferry together and living close to each other in Alameda. And her and her husband, Dustin, became some of Pat and I's dearest friends. Like I said, she became a mom a little over three months before I did, and it's just been so fun to talk to her about all things new mom and also get a sneak peek of what's to come in the next chapter of baby life, because Beau is just a few few months ahead, and I know the, the crawling and the sitting and the walking and all the things, so it's been so fun just to trail behind and have Savannah be such an inspiration. And I also think that one of the things I love about Savannah is just the grounded perspective that she brings to being a mom and just the positivity and the, um you know, she's so true to who she is and she's not afraid to be herself. And she's just been such an inspiration to be friends with. And then also, side note, we're going to get into this. She has an incredible YouTube channel that you all need to check out. I'm so obsessed. It's all around minimalism and intentional living, and she's definitely going to make you laugh along the way. So I will share um, when I post about this episode in the notes how you can find her on YouTube, it's just Savannah Dwyer. So, Savannah, welcome again to the show.
1: Thank you so much, and thanks for all those qu- all those kind words that really made me feel special. <laughs> of course. Okay, so
0: we're actually going to kind of use that as a base to start um, our conversation. As as you guys know, I um, I'm just so honored that. All my friends are coming on here to talk to me. And so each each person, I have kind of a unique set of topics that I feel are you know most relevant to the guest and I's um, relationship. So the first one I want to dive into today with Savannah is a little bit what I touched on. is just positive mindset. And I think I'll never forget, Savannah, when you had Beau. He was, you know, it was before Maddox came and we went on a walk. I think it was like one mm-hmm. of your first... Nights where I think Dustin was gone and you were like feeling independent, leaving the house. And oh God, I know exactly how that feeling is. And you just, you know, I was kind of like, I was in that stage where I was feeling like overwhelmed about birth and a little bit panicky. And I was just feeling like the only messages I was receiving about, you know, going into labor and like the birth experience were really negative. And you really level set with me and you're like, you can surround yourself with positive stuff like positive birth stories, positive information, positive content. And that really helped me like flip my narrative, like going into birth. And so I just want you to start, can we start with, you know, why was it important for you to focus on kind of the positive aspects of birth? And like, what did you do to like set yourself up for success in that area?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I knew very little basically basically next to nothing about birth when I got pregnant and so it was kind of just like diving into any new topic I kind of related to other friends as learning about skincare. You kind of come into that age where you become obsessed with skincare and sunscreen and anti-aging and your skincare regimen and learning about all the science behind it and all the different brands and schools of thought about I guess skincare and that's kind of how I took it with birth, was just diving headfirst in and trying to just gather as much information as possible. And I don't know if it was serendipity or if I just got lucky, but some of the content I started reading and watching really struck a chord with me. And with that was this thing called hypnobirthing, which sounds, (laughs) when I heard hypnobirthing, I thought that just sounded really kooky and crazy and I always have thought hypnosis is kind of scary and witchy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was really curious about it. I think I probably learned about it, just a brief synopsis on YouTube. And it compelled me enough to order the book online and get it. And it's just called Hypnobirthing by Marie Mongan. And it's not crazy hypnosis. It's basically just meditation. And in the book, she goes into viewing birth as a natural process that has been happening for thousands of years. Women have been doing this for forever. It's not new. And so it's treating birth as this wonderful, beautiful, natural occurring thing, rather than the mindset that a lot of people nowadays and hospital systems have, which is treating birth more as an illness that needs to be intervened with. And I don't know, messed with, I guess. And so I really like the idea of this I don't know, I guess being bonded with women that have been doing this for so long. And there's like great examples in the book of lots of different things, but part of it was relating it back to animals besides just human beings and how animals give birth, how they go to a quiet place that is a safe refuge. And so it's keeping this calm, safe feeling because when our bodies relax, we're able to basically let this natural process happen. And so anyway I started learning about that and a big part of it is just breathing and meditation. And so I had never practiced meditation prior to being pregnant and I had never really given much thought to breathing. <laughs> it's something I just did without thinking about. I got into a few yoga classes here and there and wanted to try meditation and basically what I started doing was listening to these meditation tracks which I guess you could say are hypnosis. It's basically just breathing exercises read by some woman with a calm voice and mm-hmm. also she's throwing in some positive birth mantras. Anyway, so that's hypnobirthing and I just absolutely love the book and then kind of just went down that avenue of embracing birth, learning everything I could about it. Another way I think about it is like preparing for a test
0: yeah.
1: and going to into a test, not knowing anything, you will feel anxious and worried and concerned And you know that you probably don't know the answers to a lot of questions, but if you do go into a test prepared, you know that if even the worst thing comes up, one or two questions or something throws you off, you know you'll still do pretty good on it and feel good while you're taking the test. So that was also my mindset around birth was like preparing for this test and knowing Mm -hmm. as much information as I could Possibly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so I was mean, like a lot.
1: <laughs> no, it's I mean, it's so it's so good.
0: I'm so inspired how you were able to like take those practices that you did before birth, the breathing and the visualization. And you were able still when you were like in all the pain of labor, you were <laughs> able to like, use the tools and maintain your center.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I will say going through birth, it was not what I expected. I thought it was going to be a lot, not easier is not the right word. I think I thought I was going to have more control of like my emotions and my breathing. Like, okay, I am on to phase three. Yeah. And I will do this thing. It wasn't that. It was just that I had, it was more of a sub- subconscious subconscious thing that I had going. I knew these things in the back of my mind. I wasn't necessarily repeating these mantras in a super literal way, I think it was more just like fleeting thoughts about them. And I would yeah. spent so much time prepping that they were just kind of existing there. I wrote down a couple of my favorite mantras. So I actually, yeah. well, this is a good example of how I thought birth was going to go and then it didn't. Right. I made little watercolor paintings That's of right. like 10 different yeah. mantras and hung them on a string. And I had right. written instructions for my husband because I was assuming I'd be you know, overwhelmed or <laughs> that I wouldn't be able to do this. I said, when we get in there, please hang these mantras. And I had my hatch light I'd already bought for the baby oh, yes. uh-huh. machine. And I had described like a specific color hue. I wanted him to change it to. It was like a forward description of a periwinkle. I was like a bluish purple with this undertone. That's what I want you to change it to. That was my birth wow. color I had made up in my mind. And it's so funny. I just it happened pretty quickly and that just wasn't on my mind that they never got hung. I never used them. <laughs> we never turned on the light, but they really were still there for me, like yeah. in my mind and being. Yeah. So the, one, the the two that have stuck out to me, breathe in calm, breathe out tension. Okay. And that felt very connected to my physical body. Like yeah. I am breathing in this calm and when I breathe out, I'm breathing out. Tension, which is just another word from pain so it almost felt like I was releasing it from my body and so when I was breathing I think that was on my mind and then another big one for me which was kind of linked back to preparation was I am prepared for any turn that my birth may take Mm -hmm. and I had like listened to that saying or mantra so many times that I really truly believed it so Mm it's something Went awry. Let's say, like my blood pressure went up, or mm-hmm. I need an emergency C-section. That's not how my birth went, but I had it in my mind that any turn this birth takes, I am in control and I can handle it.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that was a really, really good one.
0: <laughs> okay, and I'm remembering as you're talking, you like sending me a couple YouTube people to watch, and yes. I remember like even reframing the word contraction for like surge. Yeah, and, surges. Yeah, <laughs> surges, which I mean, it sounds really like hokey, but I definitely, when I was doing the same kind of preparation and really turned to more positive resources to try to shift my mindset into more like positive, calm one, I do remember like, okay, like there is another way to think of a contraction
1: <laughs> and yeah. the
0: whole idea of like pain being bad. I mean, pain, it, it sucks, but like it, I think we associate it with like being injured. But when it comes to birth, like your body is doing what it's supposed to do so it doesn't necessarily have to be associated with
1: something negative yeah absolutely i think the youtuber you might be referring to i was going to mention her is bridget taylor and her her channel and her i actually paid for her course on her website because i loved her so much and she is not partial to like a natural birth in quotes i'm saying that a natural birth is kind of like i don't really love that phrase i think every birth is natural and perfect She doesn't lean too far that way, although she, she basically runs you through all the different options. If you want to get an epidural, if you want to have a planned cesarean, she provides a lot of education that's super positive and just calm and grounded around kind of any way your birth can go and any option you want to take. So I, I really liked her stuff. And another thing I learned on Bridget's channel, or just a, a little phrase is it's purposeful pain or pain with purpose. And that is the difference like you compared to breaking your arm it is way more i'm not gonna lie like it was extremely painful like more than i expected so but i will say i have cried and been so upset from pain a million other times right Mm -hmm. i've been crying when i've been sick and other situations or like wanted my mom in this instance the pain level was way beyond those instances but I never cried and I was never upset or sad or I felt strong. And I think it's because I knew it was coming and I could handle it. Like even when, and I don't think I'm superwoman. I just think that I'm someone that prepared and also got lucky. I, there's some births that are so much more painful. I know back labors are really difficult. I didn't have a back labor. So I know people might think, well, easy for you to say your birth might've been on the easier side, but I don't know. For me, it was, it was extreme pain, but I never felt like, I can't do this or that I wanted to give up. That moment never came for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably many factors. One, the preparation Two, like, you know, just the, you know, how you, your body dealt with labor. Like I, I, for me, like, I feel like I did all the tools that you and I talked about. Like I even, I bought like I'm, it's reminding me when you talked about hypnobreathing and like affirmations, I had totally forgotten. I bought crystals that were for giving birth. So it was yes. like <laughs> I had planned to like hold the crystals in my hand. And like I had I think I had pat like make sure I pack them in my bag and like the little side pocket. And I remember like feeling like I had kind of been doing some of those like I had printed out a couple mantras and like affirmations that you and I had or when you had sent me some of those resources and like. It's just so funny. Like it just all went out the window. (laughs) It totally all goes out the window. (laughs) Yeah, And so, but I do think that like there is, I mean, all the preparation was beneficial because it did help with some reframe. And I think, you know, you can just do the best that you can in the moment. And I do feel like people have like different pain tolerances and thresholds.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we just never know. Even doctors don't know. Yeah. Describing it on a scale of one to 10. Yeah. I would have described birth as a 15. I expected an 11 out of 10. And to me, it was a 15 out of 10. But I don't know, it wasn't a negative experience for me. I am not afraid to give birth again. I actually look forward to it. I actually (laughs) liked the experience. Um, But yeah, it was, it's pretty extreme.
0: (laughs) It's very extreme. Like, it's very, like, animalistic. Like, and like, speaking of your hypnobirthing book, like comparing it to animals, like it is true. Like, (laughs) yeah, you're, it's like
1: this sense of kind of just giving, giving it up to the process, Mm, like Like surrendering, surrendering. That's a perfect word. And just letting your body do its thing. I mean, I've heard it compared to having to go number two before, not, I mean, there's different parts of the birth process process that are quite like that, but it is like your body is taking over in a way that you only have to do so much and then your body yeah. kind of takes care of the rest. It knows what to do with with the situation. So, yeah, I think the prep is just it gives you that sense of uh, confidence and calmness when you're there. Mm-hmm. Even if it is a little hectic or whatever the emotion is that's going on, you have a, like an underlying sense of groundedness. At least that's how I felt when I was just about I was pushing basically and I was at a 10 and I felt on the inside like, not like it was chaotic, but I did feel like I probably seemed in distress (laughs) based on the noises I was making and all of that. And after I'd given birth, my husband told me, he heard one of the nurses say that I was the calmest person they'd ever seen at a 10, like without medication. Wow. And I don't, I did not feel like I was calm, but I must have in some way seemed calm to them from I, I just do owe it to the preparation and breathing. Yeah, yeah Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's
0: like, I, I, I'm so glad I did the preparation. Cause I feel like, you know, birth is a very compared to the days you have to prep for birth. It's such a small amount of time versus the prep is like, you know, months and months, if you want it to be, you know, like, I mean, obviously yes. it's nine plus months, but you know, like you really, in those last three months, I feel like really start to be like, have the realization like oh my gosh like this baby has to come out and like I have to go through birth experience like there's no going back and so I do think that even if all of it goes out the window like it did for me I never touched my crystal once (laughs) (laughs) at least like you spend those kind of like you know the lead up it's like almost like going on a trip like sometimes you you know you are you're more excited to go on the trip before you go than when you are, when you actually get there. So
1: yeah, um, it it is absolutely absolutely that way. And you just don't know what to expect.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. How have you carried some of that, you know, preparation that you did about like, you know, affirmations and mindset and kind of shifting, shifting the energy. How have you applied that to like, after Bo was here? And, and, and being a new mom, because there's like there's definitely a narrative and I participate in it, which is like this is really hard. And I have to find myself like really checking myself to like shift my energy. And I remember when Maddox was really young, I was like focusing on all the things that were going wrong. And I was like, I need to write a list of actually what's going right so that I can shift into like that more kind of positive Appreciative, like, gratitude space. And so, I just wonder for you, like, how have you kind of kept that, you know, approach that you did with birth as a new mom?
1: I feel like the breathing exercises helped me a lot when I was just in difficult moments, especially in the first few weeks and probably the first two months. Mm. There were certain moments where it was just hard and I wanted to cry and did cry. And I do think the breathing really helped me calm down. And I've never wanted to show really strong negative emotions in the same room as Bo. I do think Mm -hmm. it's obviously healthy. You should be exercising all emotions. But I felt like I didn't want to be really angry, like a super heightened level of anger or sadness around him. I didn't want that to, like, I don't know, impact him. I just wanted it to be positive and calm, especially when he was really, really young. And so I think that's where the breathing exercises helped me I remember one night <laughs> in bed I was breastfeeding and then I had the Hakka manual oh, yeah. section on the my other boob and it was basically all the way full and I was so sleepy almost asleep and then Bo kicked and he kicked it off and I think I just changed our sheets like right before we got into bed like and I yeah. think I had the night sweats before that so I had just changed the sheets like multiple times and fresh bed and just ready for bed anyways he kicked off the milk and it just spilled all over me and all over the sheets and the mattress and I was just so angry I think I was really angry at them <laughs> oh, man, I don't know
0: if my I is- remember you telling me that story you're like don't get the haka get the lv because your baby
1: <laughs> <picking up. laughs> and then you know what I bought the lv and he totally kicked it off at one point yeah. after that. So no product ever <laughs> really is the like cure all fix, but I I still had my moments, but yeah, I was really mad. I think I threw the Haka at the wall, which <laughs> is like so dramatic, but yeah. I just needed to, to do something. I mean, there
0: is but... also nothing worse than like spilling the milk too, you know, <laughs> like aside from, you know, getting your shots yeah. dirty again. You're, yeah.
1: you're losing it, this precious milk you're losing, and yeah. then it's getting everywhere. Yeah, it's not fun. I I would say the the breathing stuff is the biggest stuff I carried into my life with my baby directly from, like, the birth preparation.
0: Yeah.
1: And otherwise, positivity, I think just having a positive outlook when things were tough and really always going back to knowing that so many moms have done this before me. Yeah, very healing. Currently, like, you know, you were pregnant. I had other new mom friends and family and just like women, women that have lived in caves 100 years ago. We're doing the same thing with a way less resources and tools than we have now. So I think I would find comfort in that and just thinking about all the other moms on the globe currently up with their baby in the middle of the night at the exact same time as me, that made me feel really connected. So I think that was my, my positive thought was other women have done this or are doing this and I'm totally not alone, even though I feel alone. <laughs>
0: That is so simple, but it's so healing because there is so many moments where you do feel like lonely. Yeah. You're up at three in the morning trying to latch, you know, like, just you know, like it's, it can be rough, but like having that healing thought of like, you know, I'm not alone. There's millions of women out there doing the same thing right now.
1: Yeah. And I think of single mothers a lot. I have so much support from my husband and I just can't imagine doing it on my own. I, 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 that would just, that is next level super mom kind of stuff because doing it alone is, it's really hard.
0: I know. I feel like, you know, obviously I'm having these like conversations with all my mama friends and I feel like every episode, what will come up is just the, like, I'm reminded of like, oh yeah, like I can't do any of this without Pat, like without a partner and yeah. just having such you know, compassion and empathy for people who do have to do it alone, because it is a lot. (laughs) It's
1: a lot for sure.
0: Another thing reminded me when I, I loved what you said about just trying to like, when you have your baby, like not bring any of the like anger or tension, like in the room, you know, when you're there. And I think, I think that is such, it's such good advice. And I think there were probably moments for me where like, I either like had to hand Maddox to Pat, or I had to like, make sure he was in like a totally like great safe place and just could take a breath. Because I think at the beginning, at least for me, like I wanted to like control everything that was happening and like, make sure he was doing this enough and this enough and this enough. And like, I just needed to like let go and kind of come back to what you're saying of come back to your breath and not bring that kind of tense energy that you sometimes that you do feel like in those early days of like figuring it all out and just kind of separating that energy from your baby i think is is hard but it also i think it's good advice
1: yeah and it's it's hard to do and it it's good practice it's i don't know i feel like having a baby pushes you to do things that we should be doing anyway as adults with or without children you know practicing patience mm. practicing extra kindness that i don't know we can get away with skipping those things without maybe a little one around us and they, they push you definitely to be better in so many ways.
0: That's so true. That's so true. Okay. One thing I wanted to talk to you about, and you're such a good person to talk to about this because I feel like maybe even still, although you might be back on Instagram now, aren't you?
1: (laughs) There was a time where you took a long, long pause. I am off it, except when I post my YouTube video, yeah. I re-download it for one hour each week to post the the video. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So that kind, I feel
0: like you're such a good person to talk to about this because one of the things that I wanted to bring up was just like navigating as a new mom, as a first time mom too, like navigating all of the, just like the experts, navigating all the opinions that come at you as a first time mom, like whether it's the innocent commentary from like a family member to an expert on social media to like a different guru on X topic, selling you a course, you know, there's just so much information out there. And I'm just wondering, and I, you know, maybe one thing you'll talk about is just kind of how you put boundaries up with social media, but can you tell us like how you've kind of navigated the information overload and like all the opinions that come at you as a new mom and like have you kind of kept your center with it all
1: yeah it's definitely been a journey for me when I was pregnant I certainly it took me time while I was pregnant to be able to filter through all of these opinions and advice. And I wrote down one of my favorite quotes, Well, I didn't really need to write it down because I know it. But uh-huh. It's from Amy Poehler's book. And okay. what she says in her book or what she likes to think to herself is good for you, but not for me. So it can be good for someone else, but maybe it's not quite right for you. And I love that. It's like a little bit snarky because I'm just saying it in my head. So it can be like, okay, good for you. Or it can just uh-huh. be like, good for you, you know? And Any way you want to spin it in your mind, different things work for different people, different families, different circumstances. There's just so many variables. There's not a one size fits all answer for anything, especially with babies. And I think we all hope that there is one answer for sleep or for breastfeeding. And Mm -hmm. we're desperately seeking it. And I think that's the the hard part with being a new mom is we are so desperate in a lot of moments. Yes. Very little sleep, maybe not a ton of support. It's a brand new thing. Our bodies are beaten down and just not quite right. You don't feel like yourself. So many things have you in this, yeah, kind of desperate state. And I just think so many, so many people, especially on the internet, prey on that, especially with marketing. I think it's really, really messed up, like being up in the middle of the night and getting ads for expensive sleep sacks, and just any sleeping tools and courses you can think of. That is so messed up if you think about that company or group setting these time frames based on the time zone when the mom's not sleeping. and Oh my gosh, I, don't I didn't even think of that. But yes, oh, there's that. a lot of targeting. Yeah, The targeting is just, it, it's messed up. And I totally, I, I'm trying to shop less and be less of a consumer and buy things secondhand. But certainly those ads got me in the middle of the night a lot of times. Like I definitely did an Amazon next day swaddle or a sleep sack that was this cure all. And it wasn't just the internet, sometimes it's friends and family. And I think that's where my mindset shifted from when early when I was pregnant to now. Before when I was pregnant and early in my motherhood, I mean, I'm still very early in motherhood, but when my son was first born, I think I was a bit defensive or like angry about a lot of comments. And I would always have something to say back to them, like, well, actually, I read this study and this is that. Like, I would always have science to back up why I was doing things a certain way. And just for any topic, what kind of food your baby can eat yeah. and what you can have when you're pregnant and the best way to sleep. And I basically have come to realize that, especially with friends and family, they most people that are giving you advice really, really have good intentions. Oh, yeah they have really good intentions they and, it, and yeah. it worked for them. Yeah. And I don't know, they're just sharing their, their sage advice that worked for them. And instead of, I don't know, we're in control of our emotions. I'm that's something I'm learning more and more as I'm getting older and trying to fine tune. And so I have just tried to kind of reframe how I let these communications come in and how I process them. And so yeah, good for you, but not for me. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And I'll let things mm -hmm. go and I won't think about them and fester on a certain comment, like, like I used to. So yeah, getting better at letting things go. (laughs) Okay. It's
0: reminding me of when I was really deep in the life coach world, there was a model called CT. I remember it was the acronym was like CTFAR and it was uh, circumstances create your thoughts, your thoughts create your feelings, your feelings create your actions, your actions create your results. And so it's like kind of what you're saying is like being able to control your emotions is like when someone says something to you, you can have a thought about it, but you're the one who has the control of the thought. So, like if X person says to you, like, oh, you should do this, like that's where you're good for you, not for me, or that's where the thought could be like, get super defensive or like get pissed that they said that. Or you can choose a thought that's like, Oh that's really interesting. Um that's re- like th- you know whatever like almost choosing to think about it as from a place of curiosity and like innocence and then that way you have a less kind of um like visceral emotional reaction to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard not to have that emotional reaction when it's the thing we care most about. Right. <laughs> new, new baby child and you just want to be the best parent and make all the best decisions and there's so many decisions to make with a yeah. new baby there are so so many we both have boys so it's like are you going to do the circumcision or not that's one of the right. first big ones oh and my god yes like, it it is kind of like a hot topic and i absolutely understand both sides and right. support it, anyone's choice right i don't feel super strongly about the topic but a lot of people do so that's you know just one of your first choices and you know, one that, you know, friends and family might have a strong opinion about. And that's one of many, many hundreds that pop up. And yeah, we, uh, we just have to be in control of our own emotions. So it's hard, but it's, it's worth practicing.
0: (laughs) Do you feel like you, and I'm working on this like every day. And I thought, honestly, I thought my mom, like they call it like mom tuition. I've heard that term. Like I kind of, I'm always striving to like, can connect to my intuition. Sometimes it comes really naturally. And sometimes it's harder depending on my mental state or like what's going on. And so I'm wondering for you, like, like, have you been able, do you feel like really tap into your intuition when it comes to like your baby and like your, your like journey in motherhood?
1: Yeah, certainly. I think it takes time. You know, when you first meet your baby, they're a, they're not a stranger to you because they've been living inside you, but you don't yeah. really know a ton about them and their personality and they're just figuring out who they are too. So I'm trying to remember which book I read this in. I think it was a ride parenting book by Magda Gerber, but she really has a lot of emphasis on observing your child as a really important part of having a new baby is not putting all these assumptions on who they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to like. And they're supposed to roll over now at this age and really letting go of all of those expectations of what who they should be and what they should be and rather just taking a backseat and letting them show you mm-hmm. who they are. And yeah. so I had, I had read that. And so this, that, that is something that was on my mind, especially when Beau was new in my life. So I think mm-hmm. that helped with my mom tuition mm-hmm. was that, you know, not only am I his primary caregiver, I really do observe this person a lot and I know them super well. And so when people, let's say family members that are visiting or on a trip, mm-hmm. they would make comments for sure. Like, oh, I just small things like, oh, I think he needs this mm-hmm. or they're making <laughs> suggestions yeah. of what they, what they think he needs in a moment or why he's crying. And I just knew him so well that I maybe was more combative with those comments early on. Like, no, he just had that. So he doesn't need this. You know, I would feel like I needed to say something like that. But as I interest, as I started trusting my mom tuition more and knowing him and also filtering these thoughts, it's all -hmm. all coming together. Yeah, I was able to just like take a deep breath and let them have that comment. And just, I really know what's going on. So I think yeah, by observing him and then a lot of stuff, you know, I'm thinking about sleep back to the mom experts and my Mm -hmm. mom tuition. I was hell-bent on sleep training, and I didn't want to do a full-blown cry-it-out. I have read that every form of sleep training, quote-unquote, is some sort of cry-it-out. Your child yeah. needs to learn to put themselves asleep without assistance, whatever that assistance may be. Yeah. And so I... I'm sure there's other moms who have done more, but I feel like I did more sleep research than anyone because my baby wasn't sleeping. Me, you and my sister. Yeah. Yes. Books, (laughs) videos, everything, all everything, everything, everything. And I was trying to do these really strict regimented sleep training nights and cycles and trying all these things. And I just remember in the heat of some of those moments, my like mom intuition and my gut was telling me, this just isn't working and it's not a good fit. Mm -hmm. And, but I kept pushing, pushing in some of the moments thinking, okay, but that's what they said in the book that it is really hard and you just have to do it. But I don't know after a while. And it, it did take a bit. I took a step back because my gut was saying this, something's off. This isn't working. And then, you know, my son kind of naturally has not full blown sleep training, but now he does sleep on his own. And I didn't do this really regimented thing that I read in a book. And so that was more of a mental battle for me, thinking that I wasn't like tough enough or strong enough to basically facilitate this schedule that needed to happen to make the sleeping happen. And then then I would feel guilty. I was researching and finding that if your baby, your what I read was that your baby grows during their deep sleep. And I was thinking he only sleeps for two or three hours at the time during the night. He's never having deep sleep. And so is he just not developing and I'm horrible. And it's because I don't have the willpower and determination to really like (laughs) put this baby in his place and tell him to sleep. But I really felt like I was doing everything. It was really hard. So I, it took me a few, I don't know. It took me like six months of figuring it all out, but I got to a place where, you know, I don't need to listen to all that stuff. That's not what was right for me and my baby and my family. And now we've gotten to a place that's like a very happy medium of a sleep training. And he pretty much sleeps through the night-ish. He's almost a year old, Um, but it works for us. (laughs) Oh, my God. So much, so much goodness in there.
0: I feel so similar to what you're saying of just, you know, from everything when we first started, which is like being preyed on as a vulnerable new mom, right? to then that kind of taking you out of your intuition and relying on someone else for the answer. And then you follow all the answers that they're giving you and it's still not working. So then it sends you into this kind of like guilt spiral, which I wanted to talk to mom guilt too. And yeah, there's, it's just a perfect storm of so many things. And you really, it's so hard in there oftentimes to like find your, intuition and trust your gut and that you know the best for or you know what's best for you so I just I completely I'm like it's so so aligned with everything you're saying and can relate so much you
1: summarize that so perfectly
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I feel like there is this yeah there's this vulnerability at this like very precious time of your life and you can feel guilt and I think for me a lot some of it was like if Maddox would cry I'm like wait why is he crying like what am I doing wrong and you have to realize I I mean this is so basic but I was like oh babies sometimes cry a lot like there's something called a witching hour where like I couldn't describe I couldn't figure out why he was upset or you know there's with the same like the sleep thing like same exact as you you know like When he would take a short nap, I'm like, but I'm doing every single thing that this expert has told me. I'm watching his wake windows. I'm, you know, I'm, his environment is so perfect. The dark, it's dark and there's white noise on. And then it's just so easy. Like, and then even this is like a more superficial example, but when this is like a more of a comparison like less about experts but more about other moms like Mm -hmm. if I would see I'm really really bad at like taking the like one month two month photos (laughs) and sometimes I would see like babies similar to Maddox's age and there's nothing wrong with doing this like I think it's amazing that moms do it like not cutting it down at all but like they would be in cute outfits and I'd be like oh my god I, I can't even like I'm in like such a state where I'm like trying to figure this whole thing out. Like I couldn't even like change Maddox into like a cute outfit out of a onesie. You
1: know what I mean You know so, what? And yeah. coming from someone who took the one month the photos each month, would I do it again? Probably not. You want to know why? Because it's never fun. It's like trying to get your family after Thanksgiving dinner out to take a photo when everyone's just not in the mood and yeah. feels like they don't look good. I just had to get Bo's 11th month photo. And also we like are doing them late. So then he's yeah. like not quite that age. And yeah. they're okay to have. But I will say like behind the scenes of every perfect Instagram photo, it's not always what what it seems, especially with a baby. Like that is the one shot out of like 200. And yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's not really it's not really worth it. It's kind of like who are you doing it for sort yeah. of thing, you know, yeah. is the question there. But yeah, the comparison thing is real. We were just with some babies this weekend for their first birthday and Beau's a month out and I couldn't help but think the whole time I'm observing them thinking, yes. what do they do that's the same? What do they do that's different, you know, gauging where they're at developmentally. And I think that's, I guess, just a natural thing to do. Maybe that's a human thing to do to make sure your child yeah. is okay, you know, and is, you know, can survive in the world with, you know, mm-hmm. kids his age, and he's not getting behind. But yeah, it it's real, the comparison game. <laughs>
0: it definitely is. Okay, so I want to shift topics to something a bit more fun and taboo, which is what I'm calling postpartum births. And yes. okay, so when I think about births, this is a major surprise to me as a new mom. Like I think, <laughs> you know, like you and I talked about, there was all the birth preparation, maybe some of the courses you did talked about like the right after birth so maybe you had a better perspective but for me like the things that i thought were first that i didn't realize might be a big deal after like everything that happens down there when you push a baby out was the first time you go the first time you pee after like i had an epidural so i had a catheter and so the catheter was i never had a catheter before I didn't even know that was part of birth and an epidural yes. <laughs> um so uh, going poo, they give you stool softeners. So anyone who hasn't had a baby and is planning to, just so you know, you have you get prescribed like coles, I think it is, and you have to pop those pills. So when you have your first move, it's not horrible, but it is very scary. And I saw it's so funny. I saw a meme. Speaking of our our Instagram targeting, uh, there I don't even know if I follow this person, but um. It popped up and it said the meme was I wrote it down. It said, "Birth made me a mom. Pooping after birth made me invincible. I've never experienced pain. Fear, panic and pain. Nothing can touch me now." And the caption on it said, um "An experience you'll never forget and a reminder to take your stool softeners."
1: <laughs> so. oh, That's so good. You know what I will say? Like I never missed the stool softeners like there's all these like after birth i can't remember what birth. i was taking some kind of pain pills but like the stool softeners i could be in my bed so comfortable and i would yeah. think, oh, I need to take that i would not miss it because i was so afraid to go and after i went it did not hurt at all it went really smoothly but i was really nervous i kept bringing it up to my husband that i'm dreading this i'm dreading this I, I just think it's gonna hurt so bad i'm afraid and then when i went i seriously started cheering like super loud like <laughs> I was like Woo-hoo! I went I went and I was just like basically cheering around the house for like a minute after and my husband was just cracking up
0: oh my god it is
1: very scary like this
0: is, honestly that was one thing that no one told me about and prepared me for for the afterbirth experience <laughs> but okay so there's going poo there's having sex for the first time which is so scary. And for me felt like knives. And I remember when my OB <laughs> was like, so you're gonna have like some scar tissue. And she's like, you know, but you, you just got to go for it and like kind of break through and it'll, you know, it'll feel better eventually.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> oh, that was goodness.
0: another first that like completely, you know, like, of course you think about like having sex again, but then when you push the baby out and you realize all the things
1: that go on down there, I was so afraid at first. So <laughs> Yeah, I truly, no, I don't think I'd heard anyone say this before, but I truly felt like a virgin again. (laughs) I don't know, like just the whole situation of like, okay, are you ready? Okay, (laughs) slower, ouch, hold on, I'm uncomfortable. Like it's, it's just, you feel like so awkward and out of control. Yeah, I remember when I was pregnant, because you're pregnant for so long, maybe you are doing it or you're not doing it, but you're kind of just ready to get back to your old self. And I remember thinking, okay, how many weeks, how many months after I give birth can I have sex? Yeah. And I don't know, after I gave birth, that's not what was on my mind. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, when do I have to do this again? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I... I was looking forward to it, it, but I just didn't feel like it. And I will say, I thought I was going to be ready pretty soon because I felt, I would say like 95% normal down there after three, I don't know, two or three months, just like walking around, not Mm -hmm. anything going near it, just kind of daily life. I felt fine. But then, yeah, trying to have sex, it was a completely different story. Like I was shocked by how painful and uncomfortable i i couldn't like i swear like a centimeter in and i was like nope 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 and i was trying to like explain it to my husband and i was like it's like having a sprained ankle and you like try to run on it like my brain is like no like oh, that yeah yeah, yeah. Pain. and i thought i could, would i just thought things would get better over time that's what i was reading online from the experts <laughs> and then it was equally as painful like I gave birth the vein of August, October, November, and then it's mm-hmm. December. And I'm like, this is bad. So I went to the doctor thinking maybe I had, I don't know, some kind of infection and or a UTI or something like that. And so I got tested and I didn't have, you know, a yeast infection or a UTI because it was like kind of just like burning pain if it was just lightly touched and just even like yeah. the out, not even really having to go in it. Yeah. And. Basically, what they told me after do, like running a few tests is just that while you're breastfeeding, your hormone levels are very similar to when you're going through menopause. And it's just very thin and dry down there. And it just does hurt, yeah. which they gave me a steroid cream, though. And I think it hurt, especially where there was some scar tissue from I had like one degree tearing. Mm-hmm. And so those spots were extra sensitive but yeah this is a lot of details about all that but this but is but these are the things expected. no one tells you yeah no one tells you and so i had just like this creepy steroid kind of cream to help the scar tissue heal faster it wasn't going to help with like any of the like hormonal stuff like the dryness or thinness i remember the doctor saying he's like yeah it's like tissue paper down there the thinness when your hormone hormone levels are this way So we can, yeah, give you this cream that's for, like, for, you know, older women going through menopause. So I just remember having, like, put the cream on. Yeah. I was putting it on, like, twice a day for a couple months and just, like, feeling even more unsexy. Totally. And there's so (laughs) many things. So many things. But, yeah, I mean, I'm coming up on a year. Yeah, in a few weeks, I'll have given birth a year ago, and I am still breastfeeding full time, and things have not changed that much down there for me. So... Anyway, something I didn't expect at all, and I'm hoping that things return to normal after I'm done breastfeeding, and I'm planning to stop doing that soon. Anyway, that's my hope. That's my hope. But I didn't know that things could be basically not comfortable down there for the entirety of breastfeeding.
0: That makes so much sense, and I feel in a really similar boat. You know, every time I'm like, okay, it's not going to hurt this bad, you know, this time. Ah. And eventually we <laughs> eventually get to a good place, but it's the initial that is very jarring, I do remember the scar tissue uh, comment from my OB. What you're saying about breastfeeding makes makes so much sense. I'm trailing a little bit behind you months-wise, but yeah, like almost eight months in, still breastfeeding, and I'm and I do feel like there must be an association for like the dryness level, like all you know everything that can affect yeah. it down there. So,
1: it's just not fun. It's like, like you said, once you get into it, it's not as painful if you get to that place, but it's yeah. hard when you're in pain to get to that place mentally. <laughs> it's like, you're not in the mood because you're in, it hurts. So why would you like be really turned on when you're in pain and feel uncomfortable? It, it's hard. It's like, yeah, it, it's like, uh, I don't know, a double-edged sword. It's, it's yes. not great.
0: Was there any other first, another one I thought of, or two other ones I thought of were it took me so long to wear a thong again? Like I was wearing like bikini cut underwear because I think I had second degree tearing. And so I remember it just took a lot, like the number one thing I was most afraid of was tearing. And I remember you were like, you inspired me through your content that you recommended. It was perennial massage. Uh, where you massage your perineum, I think it's called, which is like the skin between, you know, your vagina and your funnel. And <laughs> I told my OB I was doing it and I was like, okay, well, I, I'm really, really scared of tearing. Um, so I've been practicing perineal massage and she's like, that's really great and all, but it's probably not going to do much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was the most thing ever to do a perennial massage <laughs> it is like you know I don't know if I would do it it's hard to say because I could have like torn worse yeah. I don't yeah. know if it's helped I guess it's like there's not much to do when you're waiting for your baby to come out so might as well try a couple <laughs> things to help it along
0: <laughs> true. that's true that's true okay and another first I thought of was um, the taking the first shower because you know you just get birth is just like so messy and I you can't shower in the hospital didn't know that but coming home and just I think I've probably talked about on this podcast before I had like day eight hair like my hair was so dirty when I gave birth so like coming home and taking that first shower was like I've never felt a better shower in my life (laughs) so did you have any other firsts that you thought of
1: I guess they're not quite firsts of old things but just like surprise things after birth For me, like getting engorged when my milk came in, I really thought I knew everything that was going to happen. And that was a huge, huge, huge surprise to me was just how swollen everything gets and how painful it is. I remember that being like a major, major factor for me. That was the one thing that really like broke me when I was first home from the hospital that made me cry was just on top of all of the, (laughs) all of the you know things your body's going through post-birth now like you're trying to fall asleep and then you're also engorged and it's so bad and painful yeah yeah. that um that was (laughs) that was really fun I'm trying to think of what else the other thing I was going to bring up which is related to like hormones post-birth is night sweats did you sweat a lot at night at all I yes I would wake up like and sometimes there's
0: been a couple times and I don't know if it's still the hormones rec- like recently or because it's like summer and it's getting warmer but like there are still even recent times where I've woken up and I'm like still really hot and like really sweaty.
1: Yeah it's it's wild I w- I was super shocked I have been I've gone through like minor night sweats here and there like throughout my life but this was astonishing amount of sweat like I could not believe it like legitimately no exaggeration it was like someone had poured a bucket of water all over me like it had soaked deep into the mattress too like how is that There like that much fluid in my body it was I was pretty upset by those moments because I would have to like change the sheets and turn on the lights and get up in the middle of the night or I remember maybe I had like 15 nights of really bad night sweats in the first couple of months I remember just putting a towel down and I just slept on a towel in my own bed and I just felt like a dog or something like it's just
0: <laughs> not not fun that, that's a good uh thing that no one tells you uh nugget yeah I forgot about the night sweats and what we have to deal with when it comes to those first yeah. early
1: days I think first uh, I mean just getting out of the house alone for oh, the first okay. time is so nice even now just doing yeah. anything like Going to pick up takeout food that, you know, one of you have ordered in your family, usually it'd be like, not me. Can you go get it? I'm on the couch playing on my phone or watching a movie or something. Yeah. But now I want to be the one to go pick up the takeout food. I just yeah. want to be alone for <laughs> 10 minutes. And so I'm like, yep, I'll pick it up. <laughs> what? Like <laughs>
0: so cute. Yeah. My how things shift. <laughs> yeah, absolutely one of the things I wrote down to talk to you about was loving your tiny human. And I had this thought the other day when, and I was trying, I wanted to articulate it on here and talk to someone about it. We do like stroller walks at night, like around, I don't know, around six, Um, Maddox goes to bed, like around seven. So we'll do a little neighborhood stroller walk. And I (laughs) was like, so dorky, but like, I walk on the side of the stroller and like, sometimes we'll like, he'll hold my little finger, you know, and Pat will be pushing and I just had this feeling of like, I really like love this tiny human, like so much that it like, it almost hurts. It's like a pain. I love this little being that you created. So I I was just wondering if we could chat about what it has felt to like, because obviously you love your family, you love your mom, you love, you know, your siblings, you love your dad, you love your partner, the love of your life, like your partner, and then you create this being, and then you this new type of love is born. And so I'm wondering, can you, like, for your experience with Bo and like becoming a mom and creating this person, what is this new love that you've maybe like realized as a mom?
1: I guess I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. Everyone says that, right? Like, you love your child more than anything in the world, and the love is so different. And I don't know if there is a easy way to articulate it perfectly. I yeah. think for me, it's this sense of really, really strong connection. And I think that's because we also carry our children inside of us. I just feel extremely, extremely connected to him. And I feel so lucky to be that person that he, you know, loves back and relies on. Obviously he has a really strong relationship with my husband too. He's around him a lot, but I just feel like we have this one-on-one thing. And I guess my favorite moments are just Making eye contact with him—it's really funny. Babies will keep eye contact for a long time, at least Bose does, and just like staring into his eyes and having him really close to my face. You know, babies like to touch your face, so I'll just let him do anything. Put his fingers in my nose, like I just do silly stuff with him. Like I let him grab my my tongue. Like I'll just stick my tongue out, and he grabs (laughs) it. Just having him so close to my face and just having this eye contact and like really intimate, sweet connection. I just absolutely love those moments with him, and also just knowing that I kind of know him better than anyone else knows mm-hmm. him, and always will. That's a really special, a special thing too. Totally,
0: oh, I love that so much. You're right. They like there is that something so sweet and like innocent and tender when you're just like nuzzling up with them, and like yeah, they're like co- yeah, constantly grabbing you and. Yeah. I love it. It's like, it's, it is, you're right. It's hard to articulate, but there is just something, a uh, some sort of like connection and bond that is different than like any other type of bond that, you know, I've experienced thus far in life.
1: Yeah. And the, I guess, strength that you find to, like we said, like control your emotions in a certain moment, just the push to want to be a better person and just like make better choices. I think about, I don't know, just Small riskier choices I would make on a day-to-day basis when I was younger before I had him, and I just kind of have reframed. I don't know everything everything about how I see the world and how I interact with the world. Right, just being safer. I want to be there for him. I would never want him to lose one of his parents. You know, that just like that thought um, mm-hmm. really helps me make better choices and just want to always be there, be there for him, which is interesting. Like I'm just good. I don't know whether I'm like having something to drink at a party or just make more responsible choices, which sounds probably really boring if you don't have kids, but that's, I don't know. I find it really, really nice. I feel just like more grounded and I don't know, having a more well-balanced life for the sake of like our whole family. Yeah. I
0: love that. Yeah. It's like giving you like a, a bigger, different, like broader perspective has like impacted your lifestyle, it sounds like in kind of a positive way.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, last thing we're talk about and then we can, <laughs> I'll ask you my three magic questions that everyone gets asked on the pod, but we have to talk about your YouTube channel <laughs> because I am so obsessed with it and I just, I want not just to like promote it, but also just, I want you to talk about like creativity as a mom. I can only speak for myself here is that I, this is a creative outlet. This is something that brings me joy. I'm so honored and grateful that for anyone who wants to sit here and talk to me for an hour on a weeknight, and it is a total creative outlet. And so I'm just wondering for you, like how, tell me about just like starting your channel. You're so talented. How are you finding creativity as a mom? How are you finding time to do it? Tell me all the things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: oh, the time one, right? Yeah, I, you know, I have been YouTube crazy for a long time. Like as a YouTube consumer, my friend recently was like, "No wonder you started a channel. You are a student of YouTube. You know it inside and out." I kind of consume YouTube like I guess television or movies, and I have a lot of channels I follow in a lot of different categories. You know, some just lifestyle mom stuff, some more of like minimalist decluttering stuff, which is the route I'm taking and a lot of other things in between. But I just absolutely love YouTube. And I went back after maternity leave for a little bit. And I didn't know if I wanted to go back or not. I was kind of teetering there. But a really great manager who allowed me to kind of just test it out. And then after a few months, I decided, you know, I want to stay home with Bo. And I was worried that I wouldn't have, I don't know, this creative outlet is basically Mm -hmm. what it was. Or like, I guess it's like creativity and work. It's not work. It's just producing things and using your mind and like creating yeah Yeah. creating something and so i brainstormed about my channel and i guess i just felt the same emotions that anyone feels when they're starting something like this i'm sure you feel with your podcast like how is it going to turn out are people even going to receive it well how much work is it going to be and i get to embarrass myself and so i actually watched this is so meta YouTube videos from other YouTubers about getting started and like their biggest regrets or learning points. And everyone just had such really good advice about just, just posting and like being not being afraid of making mistakes. And Mm -hmm. that's how every creator or artist gets better is just keeping, keep putting stuff out there and just keep getting better every time you can't get better unless you actually make stuff. And there was this really good quote from, Ira Glass, and I don't remember the quote exactly, but basically says that when you want to create something, you have this idea in your mind and you have good taste. You like your taste. You know what you like of, you know, other creators and things. And you have this, yes, concept in your mind. But when every good creator goes and starts making something for a long time, what they create is not up to the level of their taste. It's a lot worse. Uh And he said, most people don't have the persistence to keep moving past that bad quote unquote bad content that they're creating that's not up to par with what where they want it to be and that's where people fall off and what people don't tell you is that the actual best creators and artists and writers and successful people are the people that can like muster it past that stage of Mm. feeling like they're putting out embarrassing stuff so just kind of hearing that idea is what really pushed me over the edge too I can do this and I want to start it. And so I got into basically minimalism. And I feel like minimalism is this like dividing word where people feel like it's really intense. Like it's like three objects in a room and that's how you live by. But more so how I see and understand it is just intentional living. So it's being intentional, aware and conscious of how we live in our homes. And to me, that's how we consume. So what we're bringing in And then how we use things in our home and then also getting things out of our home. And so what I'm doing on my channel is what I call the fun side of minimalism. It's once you've actually kind of stripped down your life to only the things that matter, that is when you have space and time to have fun and, you know, pursue what you love to do, whether it's time with friends and family or pursuing art. For me, I guess it's YouTube, <laughs> uh, but I have time to do YouTube because I feel like my house is manageable, and that's that's kind of how I got started with it and, and what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> I love it so much. Okay, and I have your channel pulled up here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read the titles. You have one, two, three, four, five videos up, right? All right, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna give you guys a taste of of Savannah's content. First video: patio refresh. That was my first one. one. Um, Then you have your minimalist shoe collection. You clean and declutter your shoe collection. I thought that was so fascinating. How to wash, how to hand wash a sweater. So you go through kind of your wool and your cashmere sweaters and how to wash them safely. One ribbon, seven ways. Such a good (laughs) one. You guys, I'm not kidding. You will laugh and you will be so inspired to like, Tie a ri- one of your ribbons around a cute hat of yours. And then the other one is pack with me, which I found also very helpful for any summer trips and just how to not be that person who puts things in your partner's suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh Anna,
1: oh, your hobby declutter. That one too. My hobby declutter. De-craft yeah, I decluttered, my, I decluttered my craft box. Yeah, thanks for reading those out. It's so much fun. It's just... It's focusing on I just feel like there's so many content creators that it's all about what you can buy, 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 buy to improve your life like these Amazon products and this and that. And of course, there's a place for products. You know, I obviously still shop, but I want to bring back the joy of the pride of ownership of taking care of something like how you feel after washing your car and having a clean car or just cleaning off something or fixing something instead of just going right to buying something new. So having fun with that and kind of just the joy of using your hands, like getting off our phones and working on something in your house and enjoying that experience.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. And I can't wait to keep watching you create all of these. It's (laughs) so good. Okay. Okay. We are going to end on our three questions. And I know I've said this like three times, but I'm so honored that you just spent an hour plus with me (laughs) chatting about all the mom things. You have such wisdom to share. And I'm just grateful that
1: I get to be your friend and I get to be on the receiving end of so much of your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. I listened to all of your other episodes and seriously, they made me feel so connected and calm and I don't know peaceful just knowing that there's all these other moms out there going through the same things I I really I was surprised how impactful and great the other episodes were I just thought they were incredible and I'm very honored to be here with you
0: thank you okay first question what is one thing that took you by surprise or you feel like no one ever talked about that you learned was part of
1: being a mom (laughs) Okay, people do talk about this, but it still surprised me Yeah, just how much your life changes with how it's nonstop or 24-7 being a mom. I I understood that, but actually living, having that responsibility 24-7, especially with a newborn, like you truly do not have a moment to yourself. And that is something that was very, very new to me. I'm getting more of those moments now, but I, I was very caught off guard by the 24-7-ness of having a baby.
0: <laughs> it's so true. Those first few months, is it's completely completely nonstop, like even in the middle of the night, like even if you are on the two hour stretch of sleep, like you're still barely sleeping because you're like, are they breathing? Are they moving? Oh, I have to get up in 15 minutes again. Like (laughs) it's hard to turn off.
1: (laughs) It is. Even if you're taking a shower alone, you're listening to see if your baby's going to start crying. So many times I've turned the water off and just there in the cold because I thought maybe I could hear the baby like your shower is not even your shower it's just (laughs) a place you're standing underwater and still (laughs) serving your child (laughs) that's a really good example yes totally (laughs) okay
0: take yourself back to the early days of having Bo so gosh almost a year ago if you could give yourself one piece of advice to that first time mom version of you what
1: would it be I think just trusting my gut more. And every everyone says that. I think this is advice that all parents give, but it's really, really hard to do. And I think you just have to learn it on on your own through experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, simply trusting my gut and trusting my intuition. You kind of have to learn it by not trusting your gut, right?
0: And then you realize yeah. how to do it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, you do. Your gut is always right. I, I can't think of a time where it didn't work out for me.
0: <laughs> okay. If you could sum up motherhood in one word or phrase, what would it be? Pure joy. <gasps> That's a good one. Oh. See, look, we started on a positive mindset topic, and we're ending full circle on Savannah's phrase, pure joy. It's so good. Oh, I love It really it. is. <laughs> think the thing that's so special about you is that even you're even able to find joy in the hard parts
1: I think part of that for me is hum- humor is a big part of it is just yeah. laughing at the absurdity of of it all yes yes <laughs>
0: and being able to laugh at yourself yes oh such a good reminder and we need it we definitely need it in the early <laughs> days for sure <laughs> Okay, my friend. Well, thank you again for being here and all the wisdom that you bestowed upon all of us. I can't wait for you all to tune in to the next episode of Mama to Mamas. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys.